Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gone. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news and wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly. Coronavirus and COVID-19 continue to impact the drinks business. With exports in South Africa closed down. And craft beer sales in the UK taking a tumble. In other news, celebrities and wine. Snoop Dogg launches his own wine in the US, as does Philip Schofield in the UK. And as ever, our Wine of the Week. So first off, our week in wine, and even though we're here at home, um, in isolation, just like uh, most other people are, we still manage to attend um, some tastings and some events through the power of the internet and virtual tastings, which is the, the new trend. And a couple of interesting ones this week. Uh, first off was Elaine Truck and Brown interviewing uh, Jasmine Hirsch, which is a continuation of the California Wine Institute's program to um, promote the winemakers to the trade. And Katie, you were involved in organising that, and I found it fascinating. What did you uh, make of it? Yeah, well, I guess I'm a little biased since I'm helping organise it, but I think uh, in terms of what's been put out there for virtual tastings and you know conversations, it's it's up there. Um, it's the conversation that Elaine had with Jasmine Hirsch in particular was just really fascinating. I'm talking about the terroir of the extreme Sonoma coast and, you know, what it takes to farm out there and what it was like to establish a vineyard in such a remote area and then a winery. Um, so it was really great to hear from her. And then also, uh, we had a special appearance by, uh, Kathy Corazon. And so seeing, you know, three incredible women in wine all together and talking about winemaking and, you know, vineyard management was truly a treat. I, I found it fascinating. And the Hirsch Vineyard, for those of you who don't know, is located just about four kilometers from the coast. So it really is a coastal vineyard. It's quite large. And so some of the best producers work with it. But it's established in the early 80s, but it took about 15 years for people to really recognize uh, the quality of it. And it just gives you an idea that California's industry in many ways is quite young, and a lot of the trends that we take for granted now are actually uh, quite recent. And it's great that the family is continuing to um, experiment in the region. Yeah, and Kathy offered a different perspective, obviously, because she makes wine in the Napa Valley. Uh, but she was one of the first women, or the first woman, to really be making wine in the Napa Valley all on her own. And, you know, they both seek a similar style, um, more, you know, lower alcohol and uh, more elegant styles. And obviously, in the Hirsch Vineyard, it's much cooler over there, so perhaps easier to achieve. Um, but they're different grapes too, so Pinot Noir versus Cabernet. And Kathy has always managed to create wines of elegance and the, that lower alcohol, um, which has given her international recognition. So great to hear from both of them. Very different, but share common goals. Absolutely. Kathy Corison's are our favorites in Napa and clearly uh, Jasmine Hirsch's as well. And although Cabernet and Pinot are very different grape varieties, that doesn't mean you have to have a radically different approach. It's all about what happens in the vineyard and expressing that sense of place. So we had another interesting virtual tasting. This one I did not attend, but you did, Matthew. It was at 3 a.m. in the morning. Yeah, one of the rare occasions when I get up several hours before Katie does. Um, but it was a champagne tasting, and I just couldn't resist because it was organised by Tyson Seltzer, who's an Australian wine critic who focuses on champagne. And he is intervie interviewing Cyril Brune of Charles Isaac, which is one of our favourite champagne producers. A really high 
quality and consistency to those wines. So I thought this is a great opportunity to um, learn from Cyril, uh, the winemaker at um, Charles Heidzik, because it's going to be a while before we get to visit Champagne again. And it was an absolutely fascinating tasting. Uh, they tasted the Brut Reserve, the Rosé, and uh, the Blanc de Blanc. I just had the Brut Reserve. I just had a little sip of it at 3am in the morning to uh, keep me going. Just an idea of what's going on in Champagne, talking about climate change, how the styles of wine have changed, how Charles Isaac has kind of revived itself after being a bit overlooked, and now it's really uh, getting going again and sales are up. But of course, uh, Champagne sales are are down in general just during this crisis, actually down by 80%. But they're still confident that over the next 10 years, the sales will continue to grow and Charles Isaac will really immerse itself as one of the leading producers in Champagne. So was this part of a series of virtual tastings? Or are you going to do some more moonlighting uh, with some tastings or what? This was the first. And there's going to be one with Bill Carsamon in two weeks. Ooh, I might even get up for that one. Yeah, well, if you get up, then I'll get up. It's just uh, doing that every two weeks at 3 a.m. in the morning is quite tricky. The reason it's 3 a.m. is because the tasting was kind of Sydney time. And that was 8 p.m. in Sydney. Uh, but the Bill Carr Salmon one is quite tempting. Again, another really good opportunity to virtually meet really important people in Champagne and other wine regions, which you wouldn't have the chance to do otherwise. And I think this is going to be the future of wine tasting, perhaps. Now, on with the news. So as you all may expect, uh, coronavirus has continued to dominate the headlines. The pod reported last week that the South African government had decided to allow exports of wine and other agriculture products after lobbying from the wine industry and others which was great news. Uh, However, this week, the government reversed the decision, meaning that all exports of wine and spirits are now banned. The only transportation of any alcohol product within the country is not allowed, except for the use of hand sanitizers. And this ban has been extended to include the transportation of alcohol for export. The fear of theft and looting was thought to be a reason behind the ban. Unsurprisingly, the South African wine industry was disappointed to learn of the government's change of mind, but urged its members to follow government regulations. So bad news from South Africa and some bad news from the UK as well. As sales of craft beer in the UK were reported to have fallen by 82% due to the coronavirus lockdown, even though sales of alcohol in general rose by 22% in March. The devastating impact on small breweries is because many of them rely on sales in bars and restaurants, which have of course been closed. 242 breweries were surveyed by the Society of Independent Brewers, SIBA. The results show that two-thirds of breweries have stopped making beer altogether, and over half have received no government support. Bigger companies like InBev and Heineken have greater resources to help get through the crisis and sell much more of their beer in stores. But even they have been hit hard, with AB InBev halving their final dividends for 2019 and drawing on their $9 billion loan facility. In fact, it's estimated that 50 million kegs of wine are likely to go to waste in the UK as they sit unused in pubs and bars across the country. Well, so perhaps it's no surprise that the big names are doing well and the small craft beer producers aren't. Um, Might have to do with price point. I'm sure people are trying to save their pennies these days and maybe spending less on beer and wine for that matter, so that consumers are really looking for the big guys rather than the small craft producers. But I wonder if there's a contrast here in California. We don't actually have any figures, but breweries, um, some breweries are, are doing well because they can their beers and they sell locally, so they're available in stores. They also have tap rooms, which obviously aren't open, but um, 
people are able to pick up from the tap rooms and they can do deliveries. So a local brewer here, uh, Hen House, which is small and fantastic, uh, they're delivering with free shipping or you can pick up the beer um, at the location in Petaluma and I think in Santa Rosa as well. So um, maybe some more opportunities um, here in the in, in the California, but we'll have to see what the figures are like. Yes, and also Naked Wines has hired 80 people here in the U.S. Uh, to cope with increased demand. So it's quite a contrast. Uh, in Napa, wineries opened up their cellars in a two-day online sale of wines not usually available outside the winery and tasting rooms, which are currently closed, of course. Um, and that was kind of organized through the Napa Vintners Association. And that was a huge success. So people are finding, you know, organizations are finding ways to to cope with this. And so it will be interesting to see, you know, at the end of all this, what, how we make out our, you know, industry here in the U.S. versus that of other markets. Innovation and online sales, definitely what people are looking towards right now. In other news, U.S. rapper Snoop Dogg has launched his own California label, a blend of Zinfandel, Petite Syrah, and Merlot, retailing for $12. The wine is a collaboration with 19 Crimes, an Australian brand owned by Treasury Wine Estates, and the name 19 Crimes, coming from the number of crimes that British and Irish could be convicted for and sent to Australia. Treasury said that Snoop Dogg embodies the same spirit of rule-breaking, culture-creating, and overcoming adversity that inspired 19 Crimes' original cast of rebellious heroes. Meanwhile, in the UK, TV presenter and celebrity Philip Schofield has launched his own brand in partnership with Waitrose, the high-end supermarket. The wines are packaged in recyclable boxes, with Schofield promoting the eco-friendly, sustainable nature of the packaging and the wines in general. There's a white and a red, both Italian, from Falangina and Nero de Troia, unusual varieties to launch a new brand with. And the boxes cost £25 and they're 2.25 litres, so just over £8 a, a bottle. Well, so these two are obviously very different, but they have quite a few similarities. They're both famous people in their um, respective markets. And the product comes in at a very attractive price point. Uh, but one thing that really differentiates these is the packaging. Yeah, so the um, the, the Snoop Dogg 19 Crimes Wines um, has 19 crimes on the label because it's quite a famous brand. And then just a picture of Snoop Dogg himself. So it's definitely going to appeal to a certain market who's going to snap that up without question as soon as they see the picture. Mm-hmm. Whereas, how do you describe the Phyllis Schofield packaging, Katie, to me? <laughs> well, I said it was very British. But, you know, it was just simple kind of, you know, it, your boxed wine, but nothing really eye-grabbing. They were nice colors, I thought. It's like the kind of a turquoise green and then um, sort of a rosé pink. But I'm not sure how consumers would respond to that, something like that here in the U.S., but I'm sure in the U.K., especially, you know, shoppers at Waitrose would go for it. It seems very well targeted towards the Waitrose audience. And for those of you who don't know who Philip Schofield is, um, I actually, when I was a, a young lad back in the 80s growing up, uh, Philip Schofield presented the BBC Children's Show, and it was in the broom cupboard with Gordon the Gopher, which is a hand puppet that he had, and that's how he became famous. And he's, you know, 30 years later, he's still going strong and presents uh, This Morning, which is a big um, breakfast TV show. So he's very well known, and definitely among kind of Waitrose shoppers, his name will appeal, and his name is the largest um, thing on the label. Well, and I will say something for the Schofield uh, wine is that 
you know, the eco-friendly packaging might go a long way these days. Uh, it is attractive, but more important than that is, you know, with glass and it's better than glass, it's better than cans. And people are understanding more and more that these kind of alternative packaging, even though they're not your classic uh, wine packaging, uh, sometimes it will be better for the earth in the long run. And I think people are becoming more conscientious of that. Which is why he's uh, placing at center of his uh, promotional material. Very intelligent. I would. And now for our wines of the week. Yeah, we've been continuing our daily dose with Wind Up Weekly on Instagram, where for each day of April we post a video of us discussing a wine we've opened that day. And as we discuss with the webinars we watched this week, uh, wine is there to be shared, even when you're in isolation. Yeah, and finding ways to enjoy wine even when you're on your own. Um, you know, Matthew's mom, we did a tutorial with her. She's, you know, I, she's sheltered in place in just south of Manchester in Charlton. And she bought a Coravin for the first time and never used one in her life. Uh, so we had to do a little Zoom tutorial to help, help her out. And now she's going to be able to enjoy a, a couple bottles of wine, which otherwise she'd not been unwilling to open. All changed. Never thought I'd see my mother using a Coravan, but she uh, mastered it quite quickly. So we invite you to follow us on Instagram to find out more about what we've been drinking. Uh, this week we've been focusing on California. So what have been your favorites, Matthew? Yeah, it's been fun trying the different styles of California and hopefully alerting our listeners to the, to the fact that California is not just one style of wine. But my favorite has to be the Cathy Coruscant Cabernet Sauvignon, mm -hmm. which we opened up yeah. inspired by uh, the webinar that we watched. And we also opened a bottle of Hirsch Pinot Noir, which is extremely good. Mm. But Coruscant just hits all the buttons. Well, and what was fabulous is uh, I chose to open the Cathy Coruscant, the 2016 uh, Cabernet, and very last minute choice, uh, how, and not knowing what Matthew was making for dinner. And in fact, it was lamb chops. And we found out in the set, in the webinar earlier in the week is that's one of Kathy's favorite food pairings for a young Cabernet is lamb, as long as it's not hot or spicy. So it was a fantastic pairing. So recommend it for anyone who wants to try. And in the webinar, Jasmine Hirsch told quite a funny story. So her father is a big Pinot Noir um, fanatic and never drinks Cabernet Sauvignon or never drinks Napa. But they were in, a few years ago, they were in New York, and he ordered a Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa, much to her surprise, and she couldn't quite believe it. The wine, of course, was Coruscant, and it kind of stands out as something different from the big, high-alcohol, uh, fruit-forward, really oak-heavy Cabernet Sauvignons made in Napa Valley. Very classical, very balanced, very restrained. And she's always the first to finish the harvest, just to give an indication that she's not letting the grapes hang for a long time. Yep, it's 13.1% alcohol, so pretty low on the scale of Napa Cabernets. And she's never made a wine above 14%. Cheers to that! So that's it for Wind Up Weekly this week. I'm Katie Canfield. I'm Matthew Gorn. Join us next week for another Wind Up. And in the meantime, we ask that you please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that helps other listeners searching for the news in wine to find us. Especially if the reviews are positive. That's right. See you next week. Cheerio! Cheerio!